Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode of The Hash is sponsored by Minima.Global and Circle. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Welcome and thank you for listening to us on the Coindesk Podcast Network and watching us on Coindesk TV. I'm Jen Sinassi. I've been given my voice back by the magical internet gods. Zach Seward is up there in the corner. We got Wendy O and Will Foxley here with us today. Zach, you are kicking us off with a story that had a recent sharp turn of events. It did indeed. We don't know what to believe now, but according to a report in Bloomberg, <laughs> Binance CEO CZ is out here in Abu Dhabi asking for funds for his crypto recovery effort, an attempt to backstop some of the projects that are rapidly melting down in the wakes of FTX's implosion. Now, CZ took to Twitter and replied in the mentions on one of the accounts that tweeted this story that that was, quote, false. So we don't know what to make here. This is according to sources speaking to Bloomberg about what Binance and some key lieutenants were doing in the Middle East. It seems to be a matter of whether they were asking for funds or discussing global regulatory concerns, as is mentioned in the Bloomberg piece itself. So a little bit of interesting stuff here, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We don't quite know if this is all the way baked, but really what it speaks to is the fact that CZ appears to be stepping up his role as the backstop of the FTX crypto contagion. Interesting to watch and interesting to see if they ultimately raise additional funds for this effort. I don't know, Will, what do you think? This uh, definitely caused a stir out there on crypto Twitter this morning. Some spicy takes being thrown back and forth about CZ, potentially getting some more money for this thing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely my first thought actually went to the fact that so many people are insolvent right now and have been hiding behind you know, non-communication about the fact that him going to this location and trying to procure funds made me a little worried. And I'm not trying to spread FUD or anything, but it's like everyone is naked right now. And the ocean has gone out, the tide has gone out, and we're seeing who's surviving. And the fact that Binance is going around talking to sovereign wealth funds and the like, asking for cash, it spooked me a little bit. And that, of course, is just you know unsubstantiated, just kind of talking, nothing about Binance's books at all. But it did spook me a little bit. 
That being said, I did notice in the article said that it was an undisclosed amount of money that they're trying to raise. I thought it was like 500 million from the first time he tweeted about this uh, investment vehicle they were trying to make. I thought it was like $500 million to bail out the larger sector. And that would help out a lot of people right now. There's a lot of great projects out there that are just illiquid or insolvent. And you know, books are one thing, finances are one thing, but you can't have good tech and maybe you just got your treasury stuck in the wrong place. I think that's a lesson that a lot of crypto entrepreneurs are learning right now is they had a treasury and it was denominated in crypto, right? You want to bet on your project. And so a lot of people were betting their treasury on whatever token they were using or on another project's t- uh, token. And that didn't really work out for them because a lot of times these tokens go to you know, down 98% and never come back. And then you're left with this awesome tech, but no way of funding it. So it would be great to see Binance or others like build up a treasury and be able to disperse it to other people in the ecosystem. But like you said, Zach, we don't know. Maybe this is all just facts, uh, like rumors out there. Jen, I'll throw it over to you. Get your take. Yeah, so I was also a little worried when I read the story. And then I thought about it a little more. And if this is in fact true, we don't know what part is allegedly false, according to CZ's tweet. I think it's another really strategic play for CZ and for Binance. So a chain analysis report came out last year that said the Middle East and North Africa are the fastest growing crypto markets. And so Middle East and North Africa users have received $566 billion in crypto from July 2021 to June 2022, which is 48% more than they received the year before. And so I thought about this, you know, CZ is out there. He's raising money for this fund. The Middle East has been really attempting to be this crypto and tech hub. And if they're able to figure out regulation over there and they're able to capitalize on this market that is growing faster than any other market when it comes to crypto right now, I think that is incredibly strategic. But then he went out there and said it was false. So, Zach, I don't know what to believe. Wendy, what, what, do, you, what do you got? So I actually, I saw this kind of play out a little bit earlier because it got up early this morning. And I think it's very interesting to note, like I... Like we can't believe anything until it actually happens, especially when it comes to crypto, because we've seen so many people say X, but it actually means Y. But I think it's interesting that they are look like if this in fact is true, I think it's interesting that they're looking for support from really non-traditional crypto players that we talk about a lot. And I think if this end up does being true or there is some truth to it, it's actually bullish and positive for the industry because we started to see a lot of weeding out of very, very bad players people who were not able to manage their finances properly, people who were very irresponsible with customer funds and with other people, with other um, businesses funds. So if this does end up being true, I think it's a positive thing for the space moving forward. I still want to have the debate about FDIC versus CZ, right? There's in the real world, there's governments to backstop this stuff. And in crypto, there's not. And what if that becomes CZ? That is the craziest thing that we rely on. The thing on is, when we're talking guy, about FDIC, our government, he's it. But the thing is, with mm-hmm. FDIC insurance, is is it still an insurance claim? Like, if you've been in a car accident, God forbid, but you know how hard it is to get that insurance claim paid out. There's all this bickering and fi- fighting going back and forth. And if we do have a real bank run in the United States, then best believe you're not just because we have FDIC insurance, nobody's getting anything back. I think feel like FDIC is a really big scam, but just... all right, I'll refine mm. my thing. It'll be like the government bailout <laughs> of the banks following the 2008 financial crisis, but by CZ. All right, from here out, that's it. All right, changing gears. Who's next? FDIC and BNB. Okay, I got the next one. Let's go over to Kathy Wood. We're going to talk about a little purchasing, a little holiday spree shopping. 
Uh, Kathy Wood's ARK <laughs> investment firm has purchased 175,000 shares in GBTC, which we talked about yesterday, is trading at a large discount. They also gobbled up over a million shares of Coin, the stock of Coinbase, the largest US-based exchange. Why are they purchasing these things? Well, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure, perhaps. Or, you know, maybe they're just trading at a discount. It's a really good thing to purchase up. Who knows? We'll see what happens with this. The ARC trading firm has been like not doing so great this year. It's a long bet on technology. They have a lot of different tech stocks within this basket. A lot of people purchase it for their 401k to get some exposure to tech stocks. And of course, with the Fed raising interest rates, we have seen tech stocks just continuing to bleed during the year. So maybe it's a good play. Maybe it's not a good play. I don't know. Maybe we can decide on the show. Jen, I'm going to throw this one over to you. Get your take on the story. Yeah, so I remember when Kathy Wood said that she predicted that Bitcoin is going to exceed $1 million by 2030, and her actions continue to support that thesis, right? And so I'm no expert on, uh, on trading. That is definitely Wendy on this show. But I just wonder why in the current state of the market, with all of the uncertainty we have, that she would, you know, buy Coinbase and Grayscale at this discount. We don't really know what... I know buy the dip, but it feels like why not actually buy the dip? Why not just get the actual Bitcoin, then then invest in Coinbase shares or Grayscale shares? And so, Wendy, tell me why. Why is this happening? I don't have an answer for you because it's not something that I would touch, especially given the current um, landscape of the crypto ecosystem. I think that there could potentially be big, big, big risks associated with GBTC. Coins should be fine because it's Coinbase, but at the same time, we don't know. We don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes with a lot of these companies. I will say, though, um, people love to quote that Warren Buffet guy and say, buy when there's blood in the streets or whatever. Um, me personally, it would be way too big of a risk to participate in GBTC. I would rather just buy Bitcoin in custody of myself, but to each their own. Right. Will, I feel like you had something to say about this. Yeah, I'll push back a little bit. And just as a note, disclosure, that uh, Coindesk is owned by Grayscale or by DCG, which owns both Grayscale, Coindesk, and a few other firms in the space. So we got to get that out of the way. But just like push back on what you're saying, Wendy, like, I do think this is a fair play, right? Like if you're going to buy them on the way up, well, you should also buy them on the way down or when they're bottoming. Like that's a great time that great trades are made at the bottom. If you bought Bitcoin at the bottom in you know 2019, when it was like 3K, and then you flipped it to right now, it's a 5X gain on whatever you bought then. So it could make sense. As for Grayscale, like we're seeing that debate actively on Twitter right now. The discount reached as much as 50% yesterday. It's recovered to about 39% discount. And we'll see what happens with it as we find out more information about Genesis, which is also owned by DCG. So there's some risk of contagion there. We don't really know how it's going to be priced into any of these products. As for Coinbase, like I honestly think it's continuing to be like a very strong play, especially with FTX gone. Like an FTX US now in chapter 11 bankruptcy, like all those customers are up for grabs. Yes, we might be going into a deep crypto winter, but I think it's a pretty smart bet. Of course, not financial advice. You got to say that, but I don't think it's a bad bet looking at their audited financial statements, which are on the public record in the US. We'll leave it there. Zach, take us away to our new break. Are we breaking? Are we breaking? All right. I just wanted to say, all right. We got more. What are you talking about, Will? Why are you trying to wrap up this conversation? Oh, we got more. Jen wanted to say some stuff. <laughs> Will had it with us. Stuff. No, I was. Jen, I was going to argue with Wendy, you, Will. Wendy's fudding my favorite product. <laughs> fudding my bags. Will's just interrupting me. Doesn't care. I was going to argue with you, but you made you made a good point. I still stick to right now is the time to buy Bitcoin. That is not financial 
advice. I think we still have yet to see what's going to happen in the in the tech market. So I don't know. Man, we y'all got. are crazy out here giving not financial advice right now. That's that's crazy talk. <laughs> I think like let's be real, right? These A good are entry the, price is <laughs> these are the public market proxies for the price of Bitcoin, right? So I think coin uh, Coinbase stock has seen its fate pretty tied directly to how the real coins are doing out there in the world, and that's still the case for GPT, GBTC and the ETH trust as well. They're often proxies for uh, public markets participation in crypto markets without having to do any of that nonsense of having the crypto itself. So I think that utility still exists for these products. And I think what Kathy Wood is doing, maybe she's saying directionally, this looks like a deal, but y'all are crazy out here. So that's all I got. (laughs) Now I will break it. Let's break this thing. Let's wrap it. Let's toss it to a break. We're gonna have a nice break. And then when we get back from the break, we're gonna talk about more stuff, including Tornado Cash founder lingering in jail while the world burns. This is a crazy story. We'll talk to the talk about this and more on the other side of this break. Stick with us. It's the hash. So here's a big question. What's the most important thing about crypto? It's not transactions per second, it's not convenience, and it's not even smart contracts. It's decentralization to achieve censorship resistance so we can all be free. Minima is a new layer one blockchain designed to run in full on a smartphone so that anyone can participate in building Minima's decentralized network as an equal. Join over 300,000 Minima node runners on the incentive program today to start earning Minima every day until mainnet launch. Get started at Minima.global. This episode is brought to you by Circle, the sole issuer of USDC and a leader in crypto that's held to a higher standard. USDC is a fast, safe, and efficient way to send money around the globe. USDC is always redeemable one-to-one for US dollars and has over $45 billion in circulation as of October 13th, 2022. Plus, Circle posts weekly reserve reports and monthly attestations of reserve capital, letting users know that USDC is safe, transparent, and compliant with regulations. Just go to circle.com backslash transparency to see why USDC is a trusted stablecoin. Welcome back to Coindesk TV, The Hash. And thank you guys for listening and watching. I'm Wendy O. We have Zach, Jen, and of course, Will with the sassy takes. But we have to talk about this story because it's something I, very, I feel very, very passionate about. Also, too, code is language. Tornado Cash developer Alex Petersee to remain in jail until least late February. So basically what happened was U.S. Treasury used sanctioned powers against Tornado Cash. They said it had been used to launder over a billion dollars to support North Korea hackers, allegedly. The dev has now been ordered to stay in jail until February in the Netherlands, and he has been in detention since August. Prosecutors reject the argument that Tornado was a decentralized protocol which he was powerless to control. And I believe that 100%. And I also want to ask, why is this person in jail? Why is Ross in jail? But we have people that have admitted to defrauding customers and doing absolutely terrible things to retail on a global scale, and they are free. Well, that kind of echoes a tweet that Edward Snowden published recently, right, Wendy, where he kind of compared Sam Bankman-Fried to this developer and said, why is one in jail? and not the other. Um, I thought it was really interesting that he's being charged 
with facilitating the processing of dirty money by writing tornado cash code. So that is now official. It's important to note that he's been in prison since August with no official charges. He's now been charged with money laundering for writing the cord for this financial tool. We've said this on the show before. We haven't spoken about tornado cash um, in a little while. This is going to be a really dangerous case if it goes the wrong way, and it will be precedent setting. For me, it's worrying because where do we draw the line? If we say that by writing code, by creating something that enables people to make transactions, you are facilitating money laundering, where do we draw the line? I think this is another case of regulators not really understanding what's going on, using existing financial frameworks to kind of fit, what's the saying? A square peg down a circle hole. And I just think we need to pause pump the brakes, understand what's going on, and understand that we need to update our laws so that we can properly look at this um, and not stop innovation. I just can't see developers continuing to innovate with the fear that they're going to go to jail, the fear that they're going to be away from their families. There's a quote at the end of this article where he says, you know, he just wants to go home and go to church with his wife. And I, I think a lot of developers are sitting watching the story and are super afraid. Wendy? I think it's really upsetting that the, the whole th- entire thing is really upsetting. It's just super sad. Like this, per- I don't think this person that created um, the open source uh, meant to do anything bad. They created something for privacy. Everybody deserves to have privacy. One thing I will say is, yes, we do need some sort of clear guidelines as to what we can and can't do. But at the same time, we need to be very careful what we ask for and be, be very intentful what we what we want. Because a lot more, again, once regulation gets pushed through or laws get pushed through, especially in the United States of America, they're a lot harder to repeal them. And I just don't want bad regulation to where we have people that can create really amazing things in the United States not able to do that out of fear, especially when they hear stories about this or Ross. Yeah, one little take on this. I think this is probably the case for the bear market. And just because it's in the EU doesn't mean it's not going to affect people in the United States. Crypto has terrible sentiment right now. People don't like what's happening in their portfolios. And they really don't like what they're seeing in mainstream media and in crypto rags with what's happening with FTX, Luna, Terra, 3AC, and possibly Genesis as well, right? So like the sentiment for crypto is bad. There's no excuses for crypto right now. And on top of that, we have developers who are getting put behind bars for, quote unquote, creating money laundering protocols. And who's going to give sympathy to these people when they're developing these things when the most proximate relationship they have to crypto right now is bags that are down 80%. So I'm curious to see if there is a sentiment shift, is, if there is anybody out there who's adjacent to crypto, maybe not part of crypto, but adjacent to it, who's going to stand up for developers who have been creating these new protocols are, are important. You know, They are innovations. Same time, I think that exposure then the lessons of the last 12 months or so has put a bad taste in people's mouth and we might not be able to see a green light coming out of this. The last thing I'll have on it before I give it up to Zach is interesting they brought up within this the token allocation to, to Tornado Cash. Tornado Cash launched itself initially without a token. And then during the 2020 DeFi summer, they launched a token with their V2 platform. And a lot of people were like, hey, that's maybe not the smartest idea because if you have a token and you have an allocation, if you have an allocation, that means maybe you have some sort of proximate control over the app itself. Now, it seems to be one thread that this judge is pulling on the fact that there's a token tied to this platform and that the people who developed the platform had a large token allocation means you know they might have some sort of control over the platform within the eyes of the law. So interesting to see that thread. We'll see if it continues. 
Zach, I'll bounce it up to you. Yeah, overall, just not a great look for due process, right? This guy's been sitting in jail for since August, uh, sort of waiting for some resolution, and this continues that. That's not not great. And I think um, you know, it's it's at the bigger point. Will, I think I think you're right. I mean, someone is going to have to champion that. You know, privacy is not a crime, right? This is a, a neutral tool that has been used by money launderers time and time again, but also extends benefits to those who are law-abiding citizens who are seeking a little bit of financial privacy when they go on these networks that are public by default, right? We had this conversation just the other day talking about sort of how to escape that public by default nature of some of these online transactions. It's something that I think the space is reckoning with with various solutions, whether that's uh, zero-knowledge proofs or other uh, privacy-preserving technologies. And I think it will require some sort of champion to get out there and sort of, again, make the push. We've seen it in the past, but make the push for you know privacy as being a right rather than um, something that needs to be fought for. Um, in these online times where you know things are easily surveillable. So uh, this conversation is just going to ramp up, especially if we come to a world that um, is controlled by central bank digital currencies. And it's going to be interesting to see if there's a way to advance this narrative where privacy is important and not just for criminals. But yeah, time will tell. Jen, over to you for the last story of the day. All right. We are going to head off to the metaverse. And I think that we are going to have a little metaverse minute. No? Come on, guys. You're jinxed today. <laughs> Beautiful. One day, we get the timing right, and that day will be a glorious, glorious day. So we are going off to the sandbox. We haven't spoken about them in a while, and they're launching a new land sale with Playboy, Tony Hawk, and Snoop Dogg this Thursday. So the upcoming sale is going to auction just under 2,000 land NFTs. For those of you who don't know what land is, land is a piece of a virtual land in the sandbox metaverse that is represented by an NFT. And these are often used as the building blocks for creating games in this universe. This feels very much like a bull market story. It sounds a little bit crazy to be reading this given what's happening in, in the market. But I don't know. It, it's, I think it's kind of cool. I think it's a little bit odd that they would decide to launch now, given market sentiment, given that, you know, the people who follow Tony Hawk and Snoop Dogg uh, and Playboy, who might not be embedded in crypto all the time, are just seeing these, these headlines that, um, you know, that we talk about in the show. And crypto is not looking so good. So, Will, I'm going to pass it off to you. What do you think of Sandbox launching this now? Marketing schedules, got to be careful. You don't always want to stick to them because you might launch during a bear market when no one wants to talk about it. You know, this is coming on the heels of FTX and all the other awful news out there. So I think there's definitely a sentiment problem. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of celebrities involved with the sandbox launch, right? And what do we know about celebrities in crypto? Well, a lot of them are getting sued right now mm -hmm. in a class action lawsuit against FTX with Tom Brady, Steph Curry, Larry David. So if I was involved with this as a celebrity, I'd be thinking about this twice. That's for sure, because it might just not be worth the time or effort, even if it's totally above board. That being said, sandbox, that sort of stuff, that's cool. And I'm glad they're still working on it and building those things out. Like bear market is a time for building, so might as well do it. Interested to see how this land grab goes. Will it succeed? I mean, there's not a lot of interest in these things at the moment. I mean, just look at Meta. I think that's a good proxy stock for like interest in building these things at the moment. It's down a lot over the year. So maybe there's not as much interest, but I can be proven wrong. I was wrong about NFTs like the entire time. So it could be wrong here. Zach, up to you. 
Hey, man, the first wave is California themed. So as a Californian by birth, I'm all in. Me and Wendy, we're all in on this thing. I don't think it's going to do especially well because, you know, the interest isn't really there right now. But these California themed brands and it's called California Dreamin'. I'm in. I'm going to toss it to uh, my SoCal uh, correspondent, um, Wendy, on this one. What are your thoughts? So one of the things I want to say is, yes, it's not an ideal time to launch anything at all in crypto, like at all. I do consulting on the back end and I tell projects like you want to maybe be careful what you want to launch right now, et cetera. Um, But one important thing to note is we're talking about a big project like Sandbox. They probably had this plan for quite, quite some time. And whoever's doing consulting or marketing for them, I don't know why they didn't let them know that crypto operates on a four-year cycle and we are going to have lows. We are going to have a bear market. But at the same time, if you do not launch, like if you have a really big community and I don't, I'm not in the sandbox community, so I'm not sure. But if you, if you are hinting that you're going to launch something and it's in the roadmap and you're talking about it and there's rumors and you actually do not launch on time, regardless if it's a bear market or a bull market, it is going to anger the community. And that's really who you're marketing to is to your community at this time. Um, especially during bear markets, you have to keep the community as tight knit as you can, because if you upset them, they will leave and the project will not do well. So it is kind of like a double-edged sword launching in a bear market, but also to remember that you have to do what you said you were going to do to your community. Yeah, I just want to also say, I mean, there's a bit of data to suggest that, you know, that GameFi or Web3 Gaming may have some legs, even despite the depths of crypto winter, right? I think there was a story out today about an avalanche subnet that hosts DeFi Kingdoms, which is a GameFi product, that's actually seeing quite a bit of uh, usage and uptick, right? So I think um, the promise, or at least what you know, the true believers would say, is that you know, NFTs and gaming are more resilient to these market cycles than other assets within the crypto space. And so if that's the case, then I think it makes sense for land here in this instance, or the sandbox, to keep developing, to keep building out its product suite. And if that involves big brands, more power to them. Um, it's interesting to see that those brands seem to have a bit of conviction on the metaverse while others have sort of faded away uh, here in the bear market. But yeah, I think um, I'm going to be curious to see if sort of GameFi can buck the trend, right? If people just enjoying these experiences online and they happen to be you know, receiving tokens, maybe there's something there that is uh, a bit more resilient or a bit more uh, resistant to what's going on in the broader market. But I'm going to throw it to Will. Will, what do you got? You mentioned DeFi Kingdoms. That's one of my biggest loss leaders for the last two years. So I'm a bit triggered at the moment. Not great to bring that up as we end the show. And I think you bring up a good point, though. Like maybe the bear market is a time for like a lot of these GameFi products to focus on the game part and not the FI part. And then next bull cycle, like the finance part will come back around. There'll be more adoption. Everyone wants to play a game, but people want to play a good game. And I don't think they're going to just play a game because you get some tokens that are now essentially worthless. So maybe there's a there's a roadmap here to really dig into your product, build an awesome game, attach some finance angle later for it. Zach, bopping back up to you as we wrap up. I'll wrap the thing. Let's shut it down, everybody. Thanks for watching us on the hash today. I'm Zach. That's Will. Jenny. Sorry, what did I just say? Jenny. Jendy. Remember when I said Jendy? Jenny. Jenny. That was crazy. Yeah. Jen. <laughs> Wendy. That's good times. Thanks for being with us here on The Hash on Coindesk TV. Thanks for checking us out on the podcast network. Lots of good stuff over there as well. And we're going to be back again tomorrow. We wish you well out there. And we are going to go doom scroll some more stuff. All right. That's it. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. 
We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, the hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 